Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Man Talks podcast. It is 2016. I hope you lovelies had an amazing holiday. Connor and I are excited about the first interview of 2016. It is with uh, Paul Davidescu. Paul Davidescu is the founder of Tangu, which is uh, an amazing um, mobile app that's kind of creates that, that network of, of individuals and connects them to amazing restaurants and bars and really focuses a lot around uh, the, the idea of um, social connection. But today's conversation is, is, is awesome because we really touch a lot on goal setting, which we think is perfect for the beginning of the year. Uh, we touch on entrepreneurship and we touch on um, sort of uh, the, you know, the, the social connections that uh, you need to make to, to, to create a strong business. Connor, what got you excited about today's uh, interview? Yeah, I mean, today is really about authentic goal setting. So tuning into, you know, those things that you want to achieve, not only this year, but three years from now and maybe 10 years from now. So really setting yourself up for success for, for the future, not just the next sort of like six to 12 months. Um, I think there's some really, really great nuggets of wisdom in this podcast uh, around creating the network that helps you achieve the things that you want to achieve. I'm a very, I'm a huge achiever. Um, so this, this like really satisfied that, that sort of like need or desire within myself. So if you have some, you know, goals or some things that you want to accomplish this year, whether it's health, business, personal relationships, this, this podcast is definitely going to help you tune into that. Totally. It's a long one. It's uh it's, it's just over an hour. Uh, we, we covered a lot. Paul's got a lot of energy. So he came to the table today with uh, a lot to say. And I think there's a lot of incredible value that you're going to get out of it. So dig in, hope you enjoy. Um, and we'll talk to you next week. Hey, Paul, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Stoked! To, I'm actually really excited to be here. Excellent. Well, yeah. We're really excited to have you too. It's, it's an early morning, and I'm sorry we pulled you in just after the holidays. It's never nice uh, to get that sort of wake up call, but glad to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. And yes to no, because the last four days I've just taken completely off for myself. So today I'm utterly refreshed and awesome. really excited to be here. So thanks for having me. Awesome. So before we get started, we always like to ask our guests sort of what it is that you do. How would you describe yourself just to give some context to listeners and uh, sort of start the conversation off? Sure. Um, I'll link it to what I'm really passionate about. And I've had an obsession to bring people together in memorable ways. And I guess for those people who know Tangu and sort of know about Tangu in its early days, uh, the way we manifested that was through these, you can call them sort of progressive dinners, where what we do is we would bring people together at uh, curated restaurants around Vancouver, and we would actually make sure that they would hop from place to place. It's kind of like a fancy pub crawl. And the whole purpose there was, was how can I help build someone's story? Give them an interesting experience. And someone being around the restaurant? Uh, people. Or the people. People. Right. But uh, actually, the restaurant is part of that as well, and I'll get to that later on. But it was more around just people, right? Because when do you make your best connections? Breaking bread, mm. right? And when you find yourself breaking bread and talking about, you know, what do you usually talk about at dinner tables? Well, especially with people that you know. Yeah. You talk about the epic nights you've had or the holidays. It's always about you know, the stories you invest in yourself. So, I really like to um, be proactive in how you create your stories, not just through spontaneity, which I think is important, but is there a way to do it more proactively, right? Um, and then secondly, it was around connections. 
Right. So, uh, so, so, so Tengu started like that. And now what it is, it, it might seem far removed, but I think with the lens I've given you around connections uh, and experiences, uh, what we do is we're, so we're, right now we're a mobile app and we uh, essentially help people uh, find the perfect restaurant based off their mood. And that's just around sort of the obsession of that your environment is what creates great conversation and great memories. Right. So you can go on the app and it's like a pocket concierge. It's like having an expert in your pocket. So it's like having Ryan homes in your pocket and, and telling them, hey, like, where do you go to go schmooze a client to, you know, to close a deal? Or it's having a dating expert in your pocket to be like, hey, where do I go for a first date? So we actually use uh, thought leaders uh, throughout Vancouver and beyond. And we basically ask them, where do you go to dine out? Because dining out really says something about you, right? And it also says a lot about uh, the experiences that you like to engage in. And it's all about uh, giving people contextualized recommendations, right? And yeah, that's kind of what Tango is and cool. a bit of how how it's evolved. So let's let's take it a you know a, a few steps back. Sort of how how did you get into the entrepreneurial side of things, and and you know where did that all come from? Hmm. Well, I, I could I could credit it back to Lemonade on the street corners of Camosun and Sixteenth. Uh, probably, uh, I, I'd say more relevantly uh, in university. Uh, I started with uh, I I did this. Um, I love hockey pools. <laughs> I love gambling, uh, <laughs> but no, I, it was more. I just loved the uh, just having draft my friends every year. And this one year, I wanted to actually start doing a hockey pool uh, outside of my friends group, and actually uh, throughout my whole high school because I got very competitive, especially the grades above me. So it's kind of like a playoffs pool where it was a boxes pool. So you would pick five players per box, and there's twenty picks. And yeah, I'd be, I'd be going around. I basically sell one sheet for five dollars or three for ten. That was the concept, and it went from my high school to ten high schools in Vancouver, uh, finally university, UBC, and then across Canada. And eventually, it ended up being a pool where we had I think over two thousand people that entered, uh, and we actually ended up getting real hockey players, retired hockey players, <laughs> uh, like Bark Recky, Brian Trache, who actually entered the pool. And it was something that we launched uh, through Van City Buzz, kind of my last year. And yeah, it ended up being a charity pool. We just give uh, donations to um, to different charities. Actually, the main one was around uh, the Hockey Greats uh, charity um, camp. Uh, it's in Kelowna, and they get a bunch of the Hockey Greats, like Mark Recchi, uh, Brian Trache, to yeah, basically spend two days with um, some lucky fans, uh, wine tasting, playing hockey. Uh, and of course, our first place prize was someone to go there for free, and th- and all that money goes towards uh, helping build uh, homes that are um, sort of adapted for the disabled. Ooh, yeah, very cool, very cool. And so, like, I mean, it sounds like you have been of the entrepreneurial mind and mindset and spirit for quite a long time. <laughs> so, what are what are some of those keys? I mean, we can we'll probably dive in a little bit more into mm-hmm. into Tengu and some of those other things, but. From your perspective, since you're a pretty young guy, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're under 30. Under 30. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, under 30, pretty successful. Um, what are some of those keys to, to entrepreneurialism that you think really make a, a balanced and like dialed in entrepreneur? Well, that's a good question. There are definitely many things. Uh, I think, you know, a big part of it is it's really how you embrace your vulnerabilities and, you know, how you turn problems to opportunities. Um, and it's also, I think, combating that with the opportunities you have and things that inspire you, right? Uh, and if I had to sort of, I guess, re-answer my question around how I got into entrepreneurship, it was really around my, my adventures in Barcelona. Went on exchange, 
Uh, it was the first time I'd been out of my home. Really, I lived at home my whole life, uh, and nothing wrong with that. It's been <laughs> it's been a very luxurious ride, and I love having family. It's very very much like a Mexican thing. It's like to always be with your family. I'm a big family guy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was leaving home. Uh, went to Barcelona for four months. Uh, luckily, I did speak the language um, in, in Spain, but. It was just around like being in uncharted territories, not having any friends out there, living by yourself, uh, but also having an amazing time. So it's kind of how do I take this new opportunity and then sort of, uh, you know, face my vulnerabilities of like not really being that independent and actually, you know, catching up in those vulnerabilities through an opportunity. So I think it's always like how can you mix together things that you're weak in with opportunities? Um, Hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it totally makes sense. I think it's it's kind of funny because entrepreneurs have become somewhat of like the new rock stars. You know, like they're like the modern day rock stars, and so right. people idolize them. And like the Elon Musk's and the sure. you know the Jeff Bezos and stuff like that. Like they're really put on a, a pedestal, and like they are the like modern day cowboys and rock stars. Sure. And I think it's that that um, spirit that you just talked about, right? Like that wanting to adventure and explore and, and sort of be free. Um, have you found that that's, that's provided like entrepreneurship and, and uh, building Tangu has actually provided that space for you and like carried, carried that forward for you? Yeah, I, I think it definitely has. And I think that, I mean, I'd say to any sort of aspiring entrepreneur, it really doesn't, doesn't matter like what your initial project is. Because it'll change <laughs> in many ways, and I've learned that firsthand. Uh, but as long as it's kind of going against the right thing, I mean, I think that like what a startup is, it's really it's it's like your post school real world MBA. That's what it is. You're going to learn a ton of real world things you never learned in school and your money did not go towards. Uh, although the one thing you do get is, is a network of people, and that's I, that I think is a huge part. But also like. Having a startup lets you lets you you know have an excuse to tell someone what you're all about, like today, right? It gives you an excuse to inspire people to join your team and work on a project you're passionate about, and it's kind of like your brand, right? Like, and I think that having that brand it does open doors for you. Like, it really is an enabler of letting you explore the world and meet awesome people. Because end of the day, you know, people want to know like, what are you all about? And, you know, I feel like your startup defines who you are. And that's kind of like your quick way of telling someone what you're all about. You know, you don't have an hour of everyone to talk about their life story and really dig into what they are. Like, not everyone has that luxury. So I think, like, your brand of what you create is an expression of yourself. And that allows you to go on adventures and have that cowboy life and for better or for worse, right? So when you say that you, when you say that, that when you have that business, things are going to change so much and it's going to, you know, it's going to shift. But you always tie, it always ties back to that sort of central thing. Are those your values? Yeah. Are those just, you know? Yeah, it's your why. Right. To quote our friend Simon Sinek, uh, who actually I, actually, I met this summer. Oh, no way. Uh, he was at the Cafe Artigiano just here next to the art gallery. Cool. Super serendipitous. And yeah, anyways, his whole philosophy is people, they don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And again, my North Star has always been is how do I bring people together in memorable ways? That's it. And that started all the way back with the hockey pool. And I, I, I see a in, in a way, yeah, yeah, the hockey pool too. But I see a similar, <laughs> I see a similarity of, you know, you, 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 you know how to build networks. Right. 
Um, and it and it ties right back into you know all the way from that hockey pool to the to the to the Tangu app and even you know before we even started today you were talking about your connections at camp and sort of oh yeah when you're a kid and and kind of where those people are today you you yeah. sort of you've continued those those connections uh, to today you no know, it's amazing and I, and I think Jason who you had you had on the show Jason Gaynard I mean he he's the master at investing in relationships and that very much resonates with me. Right. And I think a lot of like what he's what he started doing with the with the curated dinners is is what Tango actually really started as is these curated dinners, right? So again, like how do I play around in my sandbox of connecting people and having experiences to build their stories? That little trifecta is like that is what I think makes the world go around. And the reason why I pursued it is because I don't feel the world puts enough emphasis on it. You know, usually I think that the new adage is going to be not what you want to what what you want to be when you grow up is what problem do you want to solve when you grow up. That really is what you're doing. And it comes down to what problem are you pissed off that is not so solved well and one that you think really aligns with your why. Okay, right? so, so if, I'm a, if I'm a guy just out of college and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I see a problem that I want to solve. I think that there's a, a hole that needs to be filled. What, what's, what do I do? What are my first steps? Well, um, I find that the first thing is you've got to make sure that's a problem you really care about, right? And, and actually also – it's a very competitive world, especially in startups. So um, I think it's also doing an assessment of whether you have what it takes. And I, I actually what really resonated with one of your last podcasts around setting goals was around what are you willing to sacrifice? It's going to cost you something. I think it's first of all, I think the first thing is it's not for everyone, right? So really assess whether it's something you want to do and it's going to be painful, <laughs> right? But I mean, back to your question, with them, it's really what problem do you want to solve? Does it align with your why? And you know what? Don't be a hero. It's go around and find resources who can help you get there. And it's going to be people, back to the connections part, and also it's going to be books, podcast, which again, what? It's people. So what are people in your network, your immediate network who can help you get there and or people that are just out of reach, but not as much as you think, because I think even people like Jason or Tim Ferriss, pretty open if you if you attack it the right way. So it's really about your resources, right? Uh, so when you, when you say you attack it the right way, what is what what is that right way to you? Well, I mean, I think there's, there's so many ways to attack a problem that, like, it's very hard to put, of course, into one sort of, you know, be-all, end-all. But I think, generally speaking, it's, you know, I mean, when you first start, you want to validate that, that, in fact, what you think is a problem is a problem, right? So there's the whole lean methodology, which I you know, I don't think we'll get into too much today, but for people who want to learn about that, look up the lean startup, great book. Uh, but really, what they say is, like, don't, don't build the kingdom right away. Like, start with the first brick and really validate whether the problem you're trying to solve is, in fact, a problem, one, very important. But also, here's the tough part. You've got to solve it 10 times better than the existing solution. Right. So it, it's it's really it goes beyond that. And, and it's not enough just to just to solve it. It's it, you have to. It depends on your goals, right? Um, like I think a lot of consulting jobs. I mean, there'll always be consulting jobs, and like you'll always get a steady amount of clients if you do it well. But if you want to build a billion dollar company, it has to be just groundbreaking, right? So it really depends on your goals as well. Actually, you know, why are you doing entrepreneurship in the first place? Yeah. So let's let's talk right. about this. Let's talk about this whole idea of goal setting. I mean, you know, this mm. the, you know this podcast will be coming out very early in January, yeah. so it's the perfect time of year to be considering this. What's your process for goal setting, and and sort of walk us through what goal setting is like for you? Because I know you're you're in the middle of that process. I right am. Now. Do you know what's funny? <laughs> I've never really set goals <laughs> up until now. 
did you guys have you, I guess from your last episode you kind of do do it but it's it's a bit loose hey it's just kind of like loose, yeah I usually I usually um, one of my favorite sayings is start with the end in mind yeah right. and so I'll always start at the end and work my way back and it's more of um, it's more of an envisioning of what I want to create a way of being or... yeah and less about a specific result totally. and the then process. Yeah, yeah it's it's more about right. the process it's more about like creating the actual process because most of the times we don't create the process so I think that's for me, one of the biggest things. No, don't get me wrong. There are certain goals that have very rigid, you know, you know, uh, numerical aspects right. to them. I want to make X amount of dollars right. in a year or, or per month or per week. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, yeah, it is that sort of end in mind well, mentality. It, that's where you start. Yeah. yeah. And I think, the, I think the biggest thing to preface is that some people need that specific metric approach right where like, like, like I've worked with some people who having the process laid out in front of them doesn't doesn't do anything they actually need the end result in a metric form very specific like right. i'm going to lose 10 pounds by this date and that's my that's my set goal yeah and then everything else they'll kind of like shape towards that so yeah. i think it's important to preface that like goal setting is dependent on the person and their sort of like intrinsic motivation because what motivates me is inevitably not going to be what motivates you and so we have to kind of ask those questions of like what is motivating to me what is inspiring to me what do i want to accomplish mm-hmm. so but what is what's your what's your process around that what, what have you kind of discovered over the last couple of weeks yeah um so this is the process that i've started and it's been inspired by a friend of mine called jeremy holm who he is working at Labatt. Um, he just got into goal setting and he took a landmark course. And have you guys taken landmark or? Yeah, yeah Connor did, did the whole curriculum. Cool. Super. So he was very excited about that. And he also uh, managed to get his hands on some secret Lululemon documents around <laughs> their internal goal setting sheets. I don't oh, know if you've seen those. S- we're going to get sued. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> Although I think great entrepreneurs usually tweak things. They yeah, don't ever reinvent things. They no, always yeah, tweak yeah. them. Steal, so, steal the work. Right. It's like, yeah, it's like, like it's Picasso, like right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what they have there is they say, okay, do your 10-year vision goals. What's your five-year? What's your one-year? And then write out your day in the life 10 years from now. And really like write an, a, a whole day around like what your life would look like in 10 years. Right. So – we did the exercise. It was awesome. You and it, did it together. We did it together. Put on like some like ambient music and just like rocked out with our goals. Had some wine. It was, it was a great bro date. Not, not Labatt. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. Did we have Labatt? We're going to get sued twice. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> well, actually, I, I, I'm not sure what the brand was. But I assume <laughs> he was on brand there. Totally. Um, and then, you know, we put it down. And I said, okay, great. This is actually, as we said, the process in the end in mind is so important. And I think approaching it from like, you know, um, like the what I want to do in the next 90 days, like you've got to start from the end and not the other way around. And that was the first breakthrough I had. It's like, wow, why have goals been so intimidating in the past and why have they not worked? Because I haven't started with the end in mind. I've started with what I want to want next. But how do you know what you want next if you don't if you don't know the end? Right. So anyways. Obvious thing to now think about and talk about in hindsight, but when you actually do it, it, it becomes a lot more clear. And then I thought to myself, well, why did it take me 26 years to finally start doing this, right? Like I've been an entrepreneur for a, wh- a little while, right? It, this isn't a new thing for me. It's not a new thing for anyone. But I realized that what got me over the edge was Jeremy coming up to me and being like, hey, I'm thinking of doing it as well. 
oh, I've been looking to get around to that, but now that you're doing it, then you can help me. And, and it went back to the connecting people thing. It's people coming together does two things. I think it, it holds each other accountable. Like the good old, I'm going to go for a run tomorrow. And if I go with Jeremy, even though I feel really bad in the morning, I'm going to go because I don't want to let him down. Yeah. So that whole accountability thing is so powerful. And, I've, and, and you know what? Everyone already leverages it in many ways. Things as small as a run. But what about for big things like setting goals? So then I thought to myself, well, what are some other people in my life who a want to set goals it's like it's funny because you can actually get ideas from people on what their goals are it sounds weird but like sometimes people especially if they're very much like you they'll set a goal where you're like that's a great idea i'm going to consider that so then i started to make a list of and actually one thing i should i should backtrack to is that there's three different pillars of goals there is not just your career which seems to be the only real goals people think about but there's your health and your personal goals and i also realized wow the last few years you know to some degree, I think that my career goals have expedited my personal development because as an entrepreneur, you have to adapt. You have to be a really strong person. But also, it's kind of stunned some of my personal relationships and to some degree health. And I thought to myself, okay, first of all, I've got to catch up on those. Secondly, what are some people in all three of those pillars of my life that I can bring onto my team? So here's the process, guys. I started to do my goals, 10, 5, and 1, right? 10, 5, and uh, 10, 5, and 1 years, and I thought to myself, what are some resources that can help me get there? And this is just people. So one of my goals for this year is to run a triathlon. I did a half last year. I'm going to do a full one right now. How now again? I think back. What got me to doing a triathlon? Well, it was a funny story. One of the developers on my team, who I would never ever think would do a triathlon, was like, "Hey, I'm doing a triathlon." And right when he said that, I'm like, "You're doing a triathlon? Well, frick, sign me up. I'm doing it too. There's no way you're doing it and I'm not." And it's, again, it's that, it's that competitive nature that everyone has. And you know, what? it's a beautiful thing. Use it because once he was using it. I wanted to go and do it. And I said, well, how am I going to do it now? Well, he's like, I, I go for runs once in a while. I go for bike rides. Let's go together. So there's that whole teamwork part to it. And again, like anything that I've ever taken a dive over to do has been because someone has motivated me. So I, th- so I said to myself, I'm going to do that for every aspect, career-wise, find mentors who can inspire me, find P- CEOs who have already done this shit, right? right? Why, why, why try to be a hero? And the same thing for health personal relationships, and I've got a whole list of resources, so like people that are within my network and also just outside of it, right? So for connecting with people, maybe Jason, who I haven't met just yet, or Tim, not just yet, but I think I'll get there, and for now, how else can I learn from them? They've got podcasts. Amazing. So you kind of make this whole team of people that can help you reach your goals, and you know, you've really got to make sure that uh, to bring them onto your team, they've got to have the similar goal. Because you also have to add value. So I'm kind of constructing my team right now, going through my entire LinkedIn, which I've, I've had the, it's been really amazing to actually grow that the last few years through the amazing networking that entrepreneurship gives you. And I'm kind of building this team now. And I've asked, I've told other people about it. And they're like, you know, what's a really good idea. I want to start building my team as well. Because I, I don't think goals are possible unless you have a team. Right, yeah. I think you want to break it down in those three pillars, health, personal, career, Who's done it? Don't be a hero. And to, and to quote Brian Chesky from uh, the Airbnb CEO, he talks all about sources. 
he goes and he's talked to Warren Buffett and all these crazy entrepreneurs because he's like, they know so much that I'm not going to get out of a book. And you know what? They're happy to tell me about it because right. one thing that humans have is they, they, they hate the fact that it took them X amount of time to figure something out and they want to just pass it on to the next generation and help them save some time. And just, they want to you know, make those learnings worth something by sharing them. And so work, tap into that. Work smarter, not harder. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's all right there. It's, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like that's why, <laughs> that's why podcasts exi- yeah. exist in the totally. first place. Totally. Because somebody was, right? like, somebody, somebody was like, you know what? I have a bunch of information, a bunch right. of wisdom that I want to pass on. How do I do that? Let's get it out there virtually. But Or, no, or blogs or you know, books or yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, I, w- I wanted to touch on something that you, you talked about there, you know, building your team um, and, and the 10-year goal. Just those two things really quick. I think, sure. you know, a, a lot of the times people look at 10 years from now and it almost seems unfathomable. Right. And people that I've worked with before when setting that kind of vision, because I'm a very vision based mm-hmm. thinker, mm-hmm. Um, less sort of like structure and procedure, but more like vision based. Mm-hmm. And people that I usually sit down and, and work with are like, OK, I want I, like they always think in the next 12 months. Right. Or maybe six months, six months, 12 months. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's just like this way far off, like in 40 years. I want to have a house and a, and a beach house in Italy, and but I have no idea how I'm going to get there, right? right? And so creating the 10-year the vision is something that's oftentimes very challenging for people. It's intimidating. Yeah, it's intimidating. So how – just like really briefly, like how did you find that process of – was it confronting first off when you sat down? Because I think for a lot of people that when they sit down and they start writing down the 10-year 10 10 goals, they're not right. really too sure what to write down. Um, was it confronting for you to be like, okay, 10 years, what the hell do I actually want to be doing in right. 10 years? Uh, or did you have a decent idea based on what you're doing right now? And from a business standpoint, I mean, you're in the, you're in the, um, you know, in the tech and, and social space, like mm-hmm. what does that industry even look like in 10 years? Like, how do you even project that? Yeah. And I think those are some great points and questions. And I, I think the first caveat with the 10 year vision is, you have to take it with a great salt. Like it's going to change. I mean, I think things change beyond 90 days, right? So just like just have a, a dream, have a vision, have a guiding post. That's really all it is. And for me, like, you know, being the optimist that I am, and I, th- I, pr- I think that the you know the best skill I have is attitude, right? It's it's just have a good attitude about it. But I think having good attitude is being positive, but also knowing that things will change. And you know what? It's accepting that it may not turn out the way you want it to. But you know what? Shoot high. You might as well. They say that it's just as much work to build a startup that's going to make – it's going to be a million-dollar company versus a billion-dollar company. So why not go big, right? So with me, you know, it was just thinking of my why, right, connecting people, inspiring them, and then thinking about like what people 10 years older than me are doing, put things into perspective. So there's a question, you know, I think I had in one of, uh, one of your, uh, I guess, written interviews around like who inspires you? What are they doing? Right. And I, I saw that it was much beyond Tangu. You know, I remember, remember your startups now are a means to your end. It's all about your end. Right. So within like the end of connecting people and inspiring them, I started thinking about like, you know, if I can get a couple big wins in my startups, like I want to be an angel investor. Mm-hmm. Right. Because what does an angel investor do? They empower people and they inspire them and they connect them. Uh, but like they do it in like 30 different ways. So they've got like 30 different companies, right? So I thought of like, what about being an angel investor? How, how would that look? And does that fit into my why, right? As far as my passion for traveling, like that that time I lived in Barcelona was really a, def- a very defining time in my life. And actually, it was the initial inspiration for Tangu. So I thought to myself, getting myself in different environments is what really inspires me. So like, you know, later on when I, I want to be traveling around the world, 
well, how do I do that by actually having a startup? Well, I can be an angel investor and invest in companies there, or I can start to do public speaking. It's another thing that I love to do, public speaking. So you start thinking about the things that you almost kind of do today, and then you think about the things that really jazz you up, and you start to connect them. And then you find that they're actually all intertwined. And again, looking at someone like Tim Ferriss and like just seeing what he does on a regular basis, like that's what they do. They go out and they build a company, they invest in other companies, they inspire people, and they repeat. And that's that's something I want to do. Now, can I get to that level? Who the hell knows? You know what? Probably not. The odds are against me, but... You know, you've got to have that ambition. So for me, it was very much an inspiring process. And I think, you know, I think the more important part is, again, the process that you're getting there, the five and the one year goals. And I think um, if, you, if you can really reverse engineer that into even today's habits, you know, there's a good chance that shooting that direction will get you, will make you end up somewhere that actually ends up being worth it. Maybe it's not that, but you'll always pivot along the way. And pivoting is a <laughs> is something I've learned a lot about through uh, the life of entrepreneurship. Right. Yeah. There's... um. I'm trying. To, I've been trying to remember the book while you were talking, but um, the concept of a moonshot. Peter Diamandis talks about this concept of a moonshot, right. yeah. right. and he talks about you know if you wanted to 10x something or if you want to build something really big, mm-hmm. you want to sh- you want to have a moonshot, which means that you're going to plan for something so big that even if you don't reach it, even if you don't reach the moon, you're still going to go further than you ever thought possible. And I think that that's kind of the approach. Yeah, it's from Bold. Um, the, the book, the book, the book is called Bold. Yeah, and it's, it was Peter Diamandis and Steve Cutler. Yes, yeah, and, and he was talking to Tim Ferriss recently yeah, in the yeah. podcast. That's where I picked. That's where I picked it's up the shot. That's yeah, a great interview. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and so one of the one of the things I think would be really valuable for the listeners out there is this idea of like, you know, what what does it look like to build a moonshot in your personal health or in your career? Mm-hmm. Um, what does that What does that actually look like? Because even if even if you fall short, you are still going to be maybe five right. or ten times further than you ever even thought possible yep. without creating that moonshot. Yep. You know, and I think that's what leads a lot of guys like yourself um, and Tim Ferriss to where they are today. Their vision was probably even bigger totally. than what they than, than what they had created. Always like, is like Elon Musk, right? Always like, is. I, you know, in ten years, <laughs> yeah. I want to I want to <laughs> go to Mars, right? Totally. Yeah. Can you imagine what his moonshot was? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, literally, I wanna, right? I want to go to Pluto. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So and there's another there's another great book by Grant Cardone called The Ten X Rule, and it's the exact same concept right. of like, yeah. you know. Do everything to, in your life, you know, ten times what you should be doing, and the worst case scenario is that you're far ahead than you could ever possibly imagine. Yeah, and that's a whole attitude thing. It's like, and, and what what is the worst case scenario, right? If you're again being a numbers guy and wanting to be precise, oh, well, if I don't make it, I'm going to be really angry at myself. It's like trying to be a perfectionist. Right, yeah. Waste of time. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. Right? It's actually, it's actually detrimental to oh, you completely. achieving the things that you want to achieve. And I think that, um, you know, a lot of people actually go down that path is when they create, and that's why goal setting is like this catch 22, right? Mm-hmm. I, I was reading a, an article on um, uh, psychology today from the United States. Mm-hmm. And the author was talking about how very strict goals are actually counterintuitive and they're actually more detrimental totally. and they put people under a certain amount of stress and pressure Absolutely. that actually is artificial. Ca- stress. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Artificial. And it's, it's, I mean, it's self, self-created yeah. and it actually creates an environment where they, they can't go out and achieve those goals in a proper way. And so it was a very interesting read, but I think one of the things that I wanted to go back to really quick was this idea of building your team. Mm-hmm. Like we have, you know, it, within the context of, of man talks, we have, um, the mastermind group mm-hmm. and the mastermind group is this exceptional place where, you know, it's less than 10 guys 
And um, it's just, I mean, it's just for the guys in our community that are, you know, like you, like me, like Roger, that are wanting to build these areas of their life, like health and relationships and, and success. Um, and, and the cool thing is, is that when you build that team, when you're in that space of, of people that are holding you accountable, you can achieve way more, totally. way, 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 way more. Totally. And so how do you... I mean, you kind of touched on it briefly that you're just sort of like curating that list in those different areas. Once you have that list, like let's – do you have five people on this? Do you have 10 people? Is it 25 people on the list? Do you just make it – do you make the list as big as possible and then cut it down? Like what does that look like for you? Uh, I'm actually I'm, – I'm in the process of doing it. So this okay. – so don't quote me on this, <laughs> although you are going to quote me because I'm saying it. Um, but you know, uh, the process I've done so far is – this is my rule of thumb – if they're on your team, you have to be you have to have enough hours in a day to commit to them. It has to be at least fuck, at least a monthly email. Yeah. And that's loose. Ideally, there are people you can actually start to see on, on a consistent basis. And that's like I'd say once a month. Mm-hmm. C is actually the ideal. Let me let me let me retract that. C. Yeah. Right? Uh, and it's funny because I've got a I've had a lot of interesting people that you know, like those people who you're like, you see them once a month. Every time you see them, you're like, wow, like I got so much value out of this. And then like eight months later, you're like, wow, what the fuck happened? Yeah. That's yeah. my first F-bomb. There yeah, you yeah, go. There Boom. Go. <laughs> Boom. It's out. Uh, like what happened, right? Uh, and you realize that what happened was that you got busy and what ended up getting you reunited was, I think, to some extent, eight months is a long time. So your internal triggers are like, you should talk to this person. Like, it's been a while. But a lot of times, it's, it's because you notice that they're doing something interesting that aligns with your goals. Oh, they're doing a triathlon? Perfect excuse to talk to them. Oh, they went on man talks? I'm going to talk to them before and see, see, see how they did. Like, there's all these things that kind of end up bringing you together. Uh, but if you do that from the start where you say, hey, like, I want you on my team. You know, you're someone who's doing a lot of public speaking, like, like Graham Young, right? The guy who referred me, doing a lot of public speaking. Let's work together on something. Let's meet once a month, put in the calendar beforehand. That's actually a big thing about planning things. Put it in the calendar. You know, that's exactly like a goal. When you put something in the calendar two months ahead, is it going to be precisely at 2 p.m. Friday, just before happy hour? You know what? Probably not. But you know what? The day before you change the time or the day if you have to, but the intent is there. If things are not on the calendar, I think that's a great analogy. Yeah. Goal setting is like putting something in the calendar to meet someone. Yeah, yeah. Bam, done. Yeah, totally. There we go. <laughs> so good. So, so when we started talking about goal setting, you said that you had three sort of buckets that you were working on. You've right. Got, you've got your business, you've got your, your uh, health, and then you've got personal. Yes. Under that bucket of personal, mm-hmm. what's in there? Ooh, what's in there? Uh, and, and, you know, we don't have to go into detail. Oh, but personal question, man. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, no, happy to, happy I, I guess to. where I'm really going with is, is, is our relationships under personal? Is spirituality under personal? Yeah. Like, what, no, no, definitely. Yeah. No, and I'm happy to answer it. <laughs> um, a big part of personal is, you know, it is around relationships. Mm-hmm. You know what? And it's also around like giving back to yourself. And I start to separate Paul and myself. And I've realized that Paul is this raging bull who wants to take over the world, and he's the one who kind of just drives things forward. Sometimes Paul forgets why he's doing it, which is why once in a while he gets to check in with myself, which is my heart. I'm now just like my heart hired Paul to like navigate things, but really my heart's the boss. So when Paul's navigating things and takes over my heart, there's a problem. And I realized recently by again having Paul take the lead, which is really just in career, that that my heart was really lacking in personal and, and health. And you know what? I'm, 
I'm a pretty healthy guy. I have good relationships, but I think they can be a lot deeper, right? So for personal, it was around, yeah, like, you know, making sure that I go on consistent dates. Like for a while, I, I didn't go on a date in like four months and like, whatever, you're busy and like, it's not a big deal, but you should be going on, a, you know, you should be going on consistent dates if you're single because you're just exploring it. Your body needs that. Yeah. You know, you need it. Mm-hmm. And I would say, oh, well, well, I'm busy building my startup. So when I make a billion dollars, I'll have all the I'll dates all the I dates want. I yeah, yeah. Terrible thought process. <laughs> Terrible. No, do it right now, right? Uh, a big part as well is around just friendships, right? Uh, again, the whole seeing someone every eight months, there's people that are good friends of mine who you know, even once every two months, it's not enough. So I said to myself, how do I start going back and, and committing more there? I think a lot of it really is just around being more empathetic, <laughs> And being more present are big pieces of feedback I've gotten from, uh, you know, close uh, relationships of mine and, and my parents and like things I've got to work on. Like I think that when you are – because business and personal lives are, are in a way so different, right? Like business, like there really isn't much of a personal touch, at least, you know, to some extent, like business is business, right? So when you're so caught up in that, you forget to be human. And I realized that if I'm not human, then it's going to affect my business, but also it's going to affect my happiness. And you, you can't cheat happiness. No matter what, right? So it's been around really improving myself, improving my relationships, both you know personal, uh, you know romantic relationships, and then even just the people that I'm around, right? It's it's all just growing yourself in ways that are exclusive from business, <laughs> which is hard to do as an entrepreneur. But you know what? You gotta do it. Mm. Well, you gotta the, do it. The personal piece for any really successful entrepreneur that I've ever mm-hmm. dialogued with, um, the personal piece is what. Is, is almost like the how, you know, like there's the, there's the, what I want to build this company. My, you know, my company is Tangu. I want to do all these things. And these are my goals. <clears throat> Those are the, what, and the, how is who are you? How do you show up? Mm-hmm. Right. Because how you show up and whether your presence or not in those conversations mm-hmm. are the makers, right? Like they're, they're the makers of, of the, what, oh. and, and, and they really make or break, you know, if those things unfold or if they don't unfold. Oh, and boy. so, yeah, and I, I think that some people put a lot of value and a lot of weight in the what and forget about the how. And then, you yeah, know, and then, and then and then the why just, you know, sometimes is sitting in the back seat. And the why is almost like this intuitive thing mm. that we almost always like intuitively have a sense of, mm-hmm. right? And and I've, I've talked with a lot of really successful entrepreneurs or, or even just people that are successful in their career um, who maybe aren't entrepreneurs but are, you know, CTOs and CEOs. And it's funny because a lot of times they're like, I knew what I wanted to do and I knew how I wanted to do it. And the why was almost like this unspoken intuitive feeling. It's like your subconscious. Yeah. It's, and, it's always in the background. And I had to like ask these questions along the way in order to figure out like, why was I actually like, why was I actually driven by this? You right. know? Uh, so it's, it's quite fascinating to see people go on that journey. But um, just one last piece that I wanted to mm-hmm. add in about the, the team, the team idea. Yeah, teams. Let's um, talk about them. Have you heard <laughs> of, have you heard of inner circles and outer circles? Have you ever heard of that, that concept? So it's a social, it's a social um, network concept. And um, oh yeah, Keith Ferrazzi. I think so. Yeah. Never eat alone. Uh, right? Yeah. I think he talks about. It. Anyways, maybe, continue. Maybe. I, I I I can't remember where I where I saw this. I was reading. I was probably reading some article. But anyway, um, yeah, it was talking about how your inner circle really consists of like ten, maybe fifteen people at most that are sort of like your trusted confidants. Mm-hmm. And so I think having you know. There's the idea of five, right? You are the results of the five people you spend the most time. Great quote, by the way. Right? Doesn't, get, doesn't get enough love. People throw it around all the time, but honestly, like, 
It's the best quote out there. It's ridiculous how that literally is that's, everything. That's one of those quotes that can change your life automatically. Yeah. Oh, fully. If you, if you embrace that. Because you know. if, if you look at your five, like I look at my five right now and I look at my five compared to even just like six years ago or five years ago or four years ago. Mm-hmm. And it has shifted so dramatically. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the catalysts that has allowed me to accomplish the things in my life. But anyway, with this inner circle and outer circle, they talk about, you know, the 10 or 15 people that you really spend the most time with. Mm-hmm. And then the outer circle is consistent of, you know, anywhere between up up to about 150 people. Mm-hmm. So you have those sort of like loose connections. I think they're called loose connections. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's important. One of the things that I found really valuable in my life is to really hone in on who are those 10 to 15 people that I spend the most time with. Mm-hmm. And are they the ones that I want to be spending the most time with? And then, you know, who are those outer circle people that I'm that I'm scheduling the hour meetings with yeah. once a month right. or, or, you know, once every two months? And are they are they valuable? Yeah. You know, and 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 look at them from that from that standpoint, because oftentimes a lot of us um, out of not necessity, but out of wanting to please people will schedule time with people that we don't even want to spend time with. But it's simply because they're asking for our time. And I think one of the exceptional things that. You know, guys like Tim Ferriss and Jason Gaynard mm-hmm. do really, really, really well. Mm-hmm. And Jason talked about this on his podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, is is saying no, yeah. is just is just saying no, mm-hmm. and and knowing where you can add the most value and where you're going to get value out of it, and being able being able to to kind of like hone in on you know who are those people that I'm spending my loose my loose connections with. Yeah. And are they, you know, are they valuable on a two-way street? So yeah, and definitely. And actually, to just to round out the other side of that is like, if I'm like, I get a lot of students who are like, "Hey, Paul, like, inspiring story, Dragons Den, super cool. Like, let's grab a coffee. Like, let's talk about." It. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and, and, and but here's the thing: like, part of my um, my goals and, and, and my values are around giving back and like, you know. Because the thing, like, I punch above my weight to get where I am, like, and meaning that I talk to people that are way more successful than me, uh, and you know, thanks to them, like, I've learned a lot, right? And, and I and I also feel that for them, like, that's not where I where I'm like, oh, like, you know, like, there's nothing wrong with that. That they're doing the right thing. They're man, they are keeners these days. We've had a lot of people uh, who volunteered for us at Solder, first year students, and they're they are like sharks, man. It's crazy. It's crazy. Anyways. Um, Part of that too is like, but sometimes I say, listen, like, I say it very nicely. It's, what do you want to talk about? What, first of all, like, what is your ask? I think that's the number one most infuriating thing for most most people. It's like, what's your ask? Don't be scared yeah. to tell me what your ask is and be assertive about it. I like to tell people because I, I I get asked for a lot of informational interviews. Right. You know, the, the next thirty minutes, which might have been me yeah. when I was second university. <laughs> was my my first informational interview was at DDB. <laughs> Great place to do it. I like to say this is this is your thirty minutes. Yeah. How are you How are you going to spend right. it? Right. You know, what can I do to help you? Yeah. And, and kind of come come to it with a game plan because totally. uh, we don't want to just be sitting there talking about the weather. Yeah, you know? no, definitely. I, I think that's the first important thing, which I think most people out of university learn that, okay, I've got to have an ass. So, but, but then it's also, I think even just with anyone, it's I've got to add value too. Right. 
There's got to be a way. And you know what? Sometimes adding value is as simple as like you opening up your heart and telling them you're, you're deep and like sincere problems in business and then being like – and, and then you knowing that's probably going to resonate with them because they probably went through the same things and then be like, man, let me tell you exactly how to fix that. You got to meet this person. You got to do this because, again, people have this innate need to give back. But you've got to hit the right courts. And sometimes that's just enough value, right? And, and that's not with everyone. But a lot of times you can bank off of that as long as you as long as you research the person and kind of like you just ask them about their life. Like how'd you get to where you were? Like when you were like first getting to the advertising industry, you must have had a ton of informational interviews. Like that must have sucked. Like how did you find the right one? So do it in a way where you ask questions that'll hit their pains. And I'm gonna get them. I'm gonna get them talking about themselves because everyone loves to talk about themselves, right? Uh, and then it's about you know adding value. That might be the only way you add value. They talk about themselves, and you know what? You you, you they they get to help you. But also it, sometimes you see an opportunity where like you, you know you've listened to a, a podcast, for example, of them, or you've read an article, and like they've clearly said like, oh, I'm looking for people that are looking for a social media person. Which by the way, have you guys found someone in social media yet? Not yet. Not okay, yet. well I will keep that in mind. I, I might have some recommendations for you guys actually, we're, right? So we're being picky. About <laughs> and, and, and as you should, right? But like, you've got to have the ass. So, anyways, if someone sometimes people open themselves up for a problem they have or an ass they have, come with a, with a solution or some kind of intent to help them. And I think with that, you're going to be getting any any sort of meeting you want. But yeah, it's adding value in different ways and understanding how humans work and knowing that sometimes value can just be as simple as them talking about themselves to help you and or you actually addressing a legitimate pain of theirs. And like that is that's something that they won't expect to. Yeah, yeah. And they'll be like, wow. <laughs> so on, the, on this topic yeah. you know, of, of, of asking and, and, and sort of seeking guidance, you know, we always like to ask our guests, who are some of those mentors that you've had? in your life and those connections that you've made that have gotten you to where you are today. I'm wondering if you can fill in a little bit on that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I guess in in the uh, using the inner circle and outer circle um, definitions, inner circle has been, you know, as in as it gets is my family, right? Um, you know, you start and, and the thing is you learn from them. It's not even just like, Ooh, like I need to be around business leaders because they've done this and this. It's really about like characteristics that make you a stronger person. And, you know, starting with my mom, right? Like it is amazing how much crap she has been through. Go, I mean, emigrating from Mexico, having to start her, she had a master's in sociology in, in Mexico. She had to start as an undergrad student in UBC. Could you imagine that? Fuck that, right? Oh, she, oh she, I yeah. swore my mom's listening to this. <laughs> shit. Um, she, she said shit. She, she's going to be like, thank you. Thank you for sticking up. <laughs> or she's going to be like, I, I didn't train to speak like that. Oh, my oh. goodness. Uh, so with her, she went – like she started from scratch, but she had the humility to pick herself up, raise two kids, right? Uh, she got cancer twice, and she ended up getting her PhD and walking the stage five years ago. Right, and, but even from that, she she hit her PhD, and then you know what? It was very hard to find a job in, in her fields of sociology, right? Nice. Uh, and not until recently, she got an amazing uh, job as a clinician at the Vancouver Coastal Health. And I mean, basically, her perseverance and the and but she always had a smile on her face. That was the thing. So to have the attitude to look at very annoying problems and a persevere through them, but also have that strong attitude, and at the same time. Be exemplary for your kids and train them to have a good attitude is amazing. And I think, I think you know, that can be extended to my dad as well. Similar struggles, always has a smile on his face. Always, like, they never let external pressures 
screw up who they are inside. They always stay as a strong, you know, caring person, no matter what, which is amazing. Because a lot of people were bitter and they don't become very caring because they're like, fuck life, right? But to keep your attitude the right way, I think, and staying true to yourself is amazing. So, so my parents, for sure, my brother, I mean, he's better at making friends than anyone will ever be. Yes, I can make many friends, but the, the deep friendships he has are pretty amazing. And <laughs> they're things that I, I, think I, I think I have to work on, right? Uh, more outside of that, uh, mentors with Tangu. Um, we've had people helping us, I mean, the last four years. Uh, Peter Smiriotis. Amazing sales guy, uh, doing some really cool things around the community. Um, I've also had uh, Nigel Tunnicliffe. He is uh, working for Share This in San Francisco. Amazing guy who just he's a really good product manager. Like he's just so good at like breaking down a problem and literally going step by step. Um, l- l- let's maybe talk about your relationship with Vikram Vidge. Ah yes, and, which is something and I was is, getting to which him, is we, which is something we have. <laughs> right, and he was on your show too, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Right. So, so, you know, for the listeners that, that don't know, you know, uh, t- part of Tangu's success is that it was funded through uh, Dragons Den. You, you were successful on Dragons yes. Den, so yes. why don't you kind of quickly touch on that? Definitely. Um, I want to give you the condensed version. I can talk about that all day. <laughs> Basically, with Dragon's Den, um, the best part of that was the process. Back to our goal sort of uh, analogy, it wasn't around like raising $100,000 on Dragon's Den. It was around how that was going to help us grow. And here's how it happened. We, we did a massive pivot at Launch Academy. Talk about mentors, the people that are, are incredible. We pivoted the night before our demo day. We won, which was amazing. And actually, someone you had on the show, Julian DeShutter, he helped us a lot with that pivot. So huge kudos to him. He was a big help. Uh, and we pivoted, and we went from this like curated restaurant hopping company, right? It was literally like progressive dinners, zero tech, to an app that could be like the songs of for what to do or correction, the Spotify for what to do because <laughs> songs is going extinct in yeah, time exactly in, right. in a month. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny you have to update your analogies. Uh, anyway, so we went to that and, and we had to basically hire a new tech team. We basically had zero product. It was just our brand. We had built this amazing brand of people who liked this community, right? And then we're like, okay, like what's going to keep us going this next year of us learning how to build an app and still like keeping momentum, still keeping our community engaged? Eventually, we saw the Dragons and auditions were in town. It was January at one of the hotels here. And we said to ourselves, we don't have a product, but we know what we want to make. So why don't we go on an audition? By the time we shoot it in April and by the time it hopefully airs in November, we'll have a product. Yeah. <laughs> I think we will, right? So that was kind of like our vision. We're going to have a product and be on Dragon's Den, but like today was like, we have nothing of that. Anyways, uh, you know, Jason talked about the, the Hail Marys. And I think this was definitely one of those Hail Marys, right? We said, okay, let's go audition uh, and see what happens. So we based, and a big thing about entrepreneurship is you're always selling the dream. And a lot of times you get burned for not being able to execute that. And I'm definitely guilty of it. But eventually you find a balance where, you know what, it's ambitious, but it's doable. And that's what we said to ourselves, like, we're going to have a product. It's going to happen. So we auditioned. We got the phone call. We went over there in April. We shot the episode. uh, And for those who saw the episode, uh, we went on there with product wasn't launched. We actually had a PowerPoint presentation as our iPhone app that was shown on the screen. Looks like a real app, but it was literally a PowerPoint presentation. Zero app. And we'd actually pre-sold 25 restaurants who we told the same story of like, we're going to have an app eventually. They were paying. They were like pre-sold restaurants. Uh, And anyways, we went on there, pitched it. It was a 
creative pitch. We got the dragons to go on a date together. They made out on camera. And if you watched the episode, you're going to see the, the big fist pump I had. And that was just because I knew that that was going to get us aired. If anything, it was them making out. Right. Bam. Uh, and then uh, we didn't get a deal. They actually offered us one. Arlene's like, hey, like, here's an offer. What do you think? You're still super early. And she was kind of abusing us. And like, I think usually it happens in Dragon's Den. And I also sympathize on their side because like a company that's an app in pre-revenue, like I was lucky they even gave me any kind of offer. Anyways, we thought it was a bit too low. We knew that back home, there's other people that were going to, I think, going to take a, a chance on us. So we said, no, there's no deal. And Vikram totally shot us down on the show. He's like, what's the difference between a Yelp and a TripAdvisor? And he's just like totally just <laughs> drilling into us, which I'm just like, you, you know what? Oh, okay. I, I wish I could just tell you offline when the cameras are off and everyone's eagles out the window, I'll tell you why it's something you need, right? Anyways, no deal on the show. Right afterwards, we're like, you know what? We're, he lives in Vancouver. Yeah. He's a restaurateur. I live very close to him. I'm going to go to his establishment and tell him exactly why it's valuable for him and his business and why it matters, right? right? And it's funny. When we reached out, we were very assertive about it. He had his team do due diligence on us because I think he thought he invested in us because he, he sees so many pitches. I think he actually thought he legitimately invested in us, which was flattering but also hilarious. Uh, and we went there and we told him, hey, like, you didn't invest in us, but like, here's why you should. And then, yeah, I, I felt like when the cameras were off and he got – he had a chance to see our passion for what Tangu is beyond a recommendation app because that's not what it is at all. That's part of the, the shape that it's taken, but the whole – connecting people in memorable ways and also allowing businesses, restaurants to represent themselves in a really personal way and to connect with people the same way he connects with people offline in his restaurant when he's going around. He says it's very much like acting. He loves to, you know, give people performance. I'm like, Vikram, where is that online? And are, is that being told through your Yelp profile? Is that being told through your Groupon deals, which he doesn't do, of course? But is that story being told online? We want to be online storytellers for you. And we told him about that angle of it and also just how passionate we were. He invested in me and he invested in the vision. And that was how he started to be an advisor and investor. And, you know, talk about having people um, that are great to be around. Uh, his t- him and his team, by the way. He's got an amazing team behind the scenes that we've mainly dealt with. Uh, they've been really cool. Anyways, long story short, that was how we got Vikram. And we ended up raising more money off the show than on the show at three times evaluation. So. When it came down to the, the show actually airing, yeah. November 26, 2014, <laughs> uh, we had this 500-person launch party. Wow. And everyone there went with huge expectations. They're like, wow, like they better have got all five dragons. We knew we got none of them, of course. But in our back pocket, we had a deeper message. We, had, we, well, we, we did end up getting a dragon. We raised enough money. We doubled our team. We, went, we expanded to five different cities. We had done so much. And the whole message was, is, can we show people that – the, the question shouldn't be, did you get a deal? It, was, it should be, did you grow? Mm. And the episode went on, and people, I think, got the message before we had time to put out our disclaimer and be like, hey, we actually succeeded. People, after the episode, they, they're like, wow, you guys stuck to your guns. You told them what's up. You stayed true, and people were applauding just off of that. And we didn't expect that at all. And then, of course, we told them about the after result of how that process actually motivated us to go even harder and launch that app. Uh, That was beautiful. And that was, I think, one of the most defining moments of my life is 
to take a, a huge problem and missed opportunity and turn into something that is so much bigger than a number and than a result, but a process that did give us the numbers, right? That for me was huge and Vikram was a, a huge part of that. So that was anyways. Yeah. And awesome. I think that like your story is the perfect, it's the perfect story for the age old adage of people don't invest in ideas necessarily. They invest in people. Totally. And you know, I mean, Rarely, rarely people will invest in an idea or a company because it's just that good, right? Because it's just that good. It's that revolutionary. But 95, 99% of the time, people are investing in other people. Right? Isn't that because, a weird thing to like no, think about? Absolutely. I, I, <laughs> like it's, it's one of them. I believe it. But as, as someone who's not an entrepreneur, let's take ourselves out of this room. People were like, oh, like people, people were like, I have an idea, but I can't tell you it. Yeah. Don't get me started about what, what the problems yeah. I have with that. But anyways, like those kind of people, like let's say, yeah, let's talk about why that's such a wrong way to think about. It. So sorry. Continue. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think people uh, often overvalue their ideas and undervalue who they are as a human being. And, and that, that is fundamentally one of the biggest mistakes that you can make in your career whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're a sales manager or whether you're a salesperson, it doesn't matter. Because when you, as soon as you think that your idea or your product or whatever it is, is more valuable than what you bring to the table, you're undercutting yourself and people don't want to invest in you. And, as, and, and so whenever I had, have done sales training in the past, the first thing that I always say is like, yes, the product that you're selling, whatever it may be, is fantastic, mm-hmm. but you are 10 times more valuable than what than what they're about to invest in, what they're about to buy. Just just before we jump on to the next topic, though, I have to oh, tell sure. – I don't think I've ever told you this story before. But Please. You, you I like said stories. That, you said that, that Vikram's team was vetting you in the, in the background? <laughs> uh, maybe. Yeah, no, you, you did. Uh, that, that person that was vetting you is my wife. <laughs> Who's your wife? Allison. Okay. She was Allison Hepworth at the time, but okay. Allison there now. She, Congrats, yeah, she, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, she was, she, anyway, she, she, was, she was the one betting you in the background. We what should, did she uh, say? <laughs> we, we, should, um, we should probably start to wrap it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, what are, one are of the things that we always like to ask you know, our guests, you know, because this is the Man Talks podcast, is right. you know, what do you think it means to be a man today? What's your definition of masculinity and – no big deal. Yeah. Big question, no, guys. No I, I think I think I would <laughs> I would I would almost put it like twofold. Like what what is what do you think that is the biggest challenge that guys face today? And what's your favorite part of being a man? Sure. Um, you know, it's it's a very humbling question, especially when I when I, I know that you've asked that to people like Vikram, Brian Scudamore, like Jason Gaynard, people that like are leaps and bounds beyond me. Anyways, I'll give you my my side to it. it you know, it, through my experience over, I think I think being a man evolves over time, and I think it depends on your stage. For me, right now at 26, um, it's starting to you know embrace your vulnerabilities. And I must admit, one of you guys first gave me that initial sort of interview, the blog interview, and you asked me some really big questions around like my most defining moments and where I've been down the most. And I realized that there's a huge link between my most defining moments and my darkest moments because every dark moment has been me coming out of it through an epic win, whether it be pivoting my company overnight, 
almost dropping out of business school because I was just so stressed and actually coming out of it to be, you know, a, 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 a 30 representative on the board of directors. Like, there's this, always these huge bounce backs. And then, you know, the last one being Dragon's Den, like, getting shot down on the show and then having a 500-person party to be like, we got shot down, but check this out. Um, that, I think, is... For me, that's what defines a man is when you embrace a vulnerability, something that clearly is a shortfall, and you have the right attitude and the right balls, right? We are men, right? To overcome that, talk about it, but really leverage it. And I think what inspires people the most is when people are knocked down and they get right back up. And it's easier said than done. But if you can start to do that, even in really small ways, like you hurt your ankle and you you ended up, you end up still doing that triathlon, that can build up the things that are career defining. So, one thing to the, the the listeners is think about your vulnerabilities when you're setting your goals and some of your shortfalls you've had in the last year, your whole life. Think about how you've got over them if you have, and think of ways to get over them now. And you've got to be building that up. And I think that is huge for business relationships, bad breakups, your health, if you go through some kind of sickness, that is what being a man is. It's really manning up and overcoming that, right? And again, easier said than done. I'm no pro, but so far there's some things that I've been able to do that have been my biggest confidence boosters. I think it's actually the second part is your confidence. But confidence is really only earned through building yourself up from the ground up. It's not around the products you build. It's around your story. So vulnerabilities, manning up, and also how you pass that along to other people because the, the whole point of your podcast right. is sharing that. And I think, I think the greediest people on this earth are the ones who do not share their learnings. And again, back to those coffee meetings, everyone knows that whether, whether it's conscious or not. We have this, you know, it's call it Darwinism. We have to pass things along to allow our race to evolve. And everyone has that. So tap into that because that is what it's all about. So learning and sharing. Uh, and really doing that genuinely. I think, you know, I've, that is the way that, you know, uh, what defines a man. Hopefully I answered yeah, part of the question no, there. I think, I think that sort of sums it up as far as our conversation and what you guys are all about, right? Because that is the best way to learn, the best way to set goals, and the best way to really set an example. It's, you know, it's setting an example for others. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's what you do. It's a, yeah. Being a fatherly figure, like that's yeah, where the expressions yeah, come from, yeah, right? Like yeah. live it. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I, I like that. I like that part, um, you know, about not being afraid of the vulnerability. And, you know, when you say, when you say manning up, I think it's, it's interesting because that, that whole idea of manning up, which used to be sort of just like shut down mm-hmm. um, and not sort of not experience it. It's starting to shift a little bit where it's, you talked about it, like you have to experience what's actually going on. You have to be, you have to have the courage and the bravery and the, and the emotional fortitude to actually experience what's coming up so that, you know, you can push through and that you can actually get to the other side, right? And that's where like real strength and real confidence comes from is that, that like emotional resiliency, and you know what? It's not, all, it's not all just from you. It's from your team. Oh, totally. Don't, yeah. don't be a hero. Yeah. Use your resources. Of course, yeah. reciprocate as well. But there are so many amazing people that are on your team, whether you, don't, whether you know it or not. And you not leveraging these people that are so open to passing it on to you because they did the same thing that you're doing right now. You've got to use your team. You've got to build your team. And that, will, that is what will get you to where you want to be, 100%. Totally. So two, more, two, two last questions here. Um, First off, what sort of legacy do you want to leave? I know you're only 26, right. but 
you know, let's look down the road. Where, sure. you know, what sort of a what sort of a legacy do you want to leave behind? I think a way to define legacy is your net inspiration score. And if I can put a definition on that is in how many ways can you inspire people? Right. And I've realized that the ways that I can do it and the ways that I'm passionate about doing it is through connecting them and giving them experiences that build their stories. Right. And if you want to kind of look at it as far as like things I could do in the next 10 years, again, I talked about angel investing. It's how do you invest in people to empower them to live their dreams? It's education. Right. How can you teach people to think differently and think way outside of the way, uh, you know, schools teach things right now, ways in in, through the real world. Right. It's about, you know, philanthropy. How do you give in the most exciting and, and actual practical way? I talked, I mean, I, I've talked about how there's some amazing um, agents here in, in Vancouver as far as change agents, you know, change heroes, yeah. meal share, companies that are helping uh, the masses give in a simple way. I think that's amazing. So how do you expedite giving? Um, and yeah, with me, it's also just public speaking. I love to do that. I think it's such a cool way to inspire people. And it, it's just it's storytelling. It's how can you be a great storyteller to inspire? And then back to that inspiration score is how do those people then take your message and inspire it forward and tell other people? So, my, so a way that I thought about it is like you think of like people's names who you keep talking about like Steve Jobs or Muhammad Gandhi, etc. Their legacy is still living because they've inspired so many people that keep inspiring others through their methodology that that's what keeps the legacy moving forward. The day you're forgotten is when your impact has been completely forgotten and hasn't been passed on. So how, as far as legacy, how can I maximize my mantra of creating memorable connections, connecting people, and really helping people come together to solve big problems and achieve big things in their life? How can I create a methodology around that through different ways, right? And But also in ways which people then have the inspiration to pass it forward. I still think that there, there are still systems to be developed to allow people to uh, pass on the inspiration. So I don't know if that was sort of the answer you're looking for, but uh, it's about net inspiration score, and, and, and you know, I'm not sure how I'll do it in the end, but I know it will follow my my my, my mission and my vision around memorable connections. That that's that's my unique strength. That is what, kind of my gift, and I've got to exploit that, and I've got to use that in the best way possible. And I'm seeing it already come together. And then it's just about how others help me do it, right? Because again, everything is around people. That's what it's all about. So finally, what's something that you're excited about these days that you want our listeners to know about and how can they learn more about that or how can they learn more about you? Oh, man, there's so many things I'm excited about. I'm going to go way over your time limit here. Um, What am I most excited about? Um, Well, I'm excited about Vancouver. I think there are some amazing innovators coming out of here and I think it's the best time to be an entrepreneur. Not just in Vancouver, but Vancouver and beyond. Um. I guess it's sort of shout out time uh, for those who are starting to do their startups, get support. Uh, we're actually working out of E at UBC. It's called Entrepreneurship at UBC. Great little incubator if you're a UBC alumni. Is that Paul Cubbon? Yes, yeah. correct. Paul Cubbon and crew, right? So there's Launch Academy, who is, that's where we started our days. There's Wavefront. There's the Cranium on Main Street. Those are all amazing little incubators to go to. Go there, learn from people, network, and, and I think that's an exciting movement that I've seen, and there's a lot more of it coming. Um, I'm also excited about, hmm, honestly, it's going to take me all day to, to do all the shots, but I'm excited about really the, the way that Vancouver has grown and matured, and I am also very much excited about, you know, I'm excited about what you guys are doing, because I think like what's happening now is a lot more people are creating podcasts and blogs and movements around sharing stories, 
right? And I think that, again, that is the most important thing. It's you have to find cool ways to share stories. And as a listener, there are so many ways to now absorb these stories. So I'm excited, I'm excited about how people are starting to move into scalable ways of sharing their story. And also, actually, the whole online education industry is it's huge. It's booming. And a lot of public speakers that I've talked to are all – the whole rage now is around creating online courses, because everyone can be a teacher. Now there's, of course, tools to do that. And I was telling Graham Young the other day, and I'm like, hey, like, you know, I should be, I should be investing more in online courses. He told me the idea. Like, I want to be in more online courses. I'm like, why? Because everyone's doing it. The real opportunity that I see is that there's about 3 billion people who are not on the, on the internet today who will be there by, I don't know, 2020, thanks to our friends at Google, Facebook, et cetera. Think about that. People, education will be, is the currency now, I think, and the currency of the future alongside connections. Think about opportunities to really help those people learn. Mm. And that will be the most important currency. So I'm excited about how that currency of education and connecting people is now going to be like a real currency. And that's why I think Jason's so big into investing to relationships because that, that, that is a currency now, but it's going to be more and more a big thing as more and more people get connected in intimate ways and as more information is disseminated through podcasts and also internet infrastructure around the whole world. So the next 10 years will be an incredible time for learning and connections. And to be a small part of that is more than I can ask for. Yeah, awesome. Paul David Eskew, thanks so much for being on the podcast. If anybody wants to learn more about Paul and, and learn more about his company, then go to tangu.ca. And if you want to learn more about Man Talks and want to uh, listen to more of the podcast, check out our blog posts, any of the videos that we have at our events, you can go to mantalks.com. Um, and please go to go to iTunes and leave us a leave us a review. It goes a long way to get this podcast spread. You know, the more uh, the more positive reviews we get, the more uh, the likelihood that it pops up in people's uh, people's windows when they go to to, to iTunes so thank you so much for doing that and thank you for those that have already given us those reviews it's, it's been absolutely incredible um, once again thanks for listening to the Man Talks podcast catch us next week for another inspiring conversation with an inspiring man 